0: It's been a hell of a year. We're all tired of being on the front line. It's time for a wellness checkup. I'm Rob Lawrence, and this is EMS One Stop. Welcome back to EMS One Stop and the subject of the day is wellness and for this week I'm taking the week off from writing and narrating because I'm preparing a year in review article which should be out next week. So to fill the gap who better to have than someone that needs no introduction to talk about wellness and that is my good friend Mike Tagman. As I say, he needs no introduction, but I'll give you a little bit of background. Mike is the improvement guide for First Watch, a company which provides near real-time monitoring and analysis of data, along with performance improvement coaching for EMS agencies. Academically, teaches Improvement Science in the Master's Healthcare Administration Interprofessional Leadership at the University of California San Francisco and the Emergency Health Services Management Graduate Program at the University of Maryland. Uh, Mike also is hosting right now the amazing conversations that matter and we'll talk about that uh, at the end of the show but first of all thank you for joining me on this kind of overcast afternoon in California.
1: It's wonderful to be with you my
0: friend. For this show, I don't get to do anything apart from ask you the questions. And I really like doing that, Mike, because I'm taking the week off. But you're going to start off by giving us a narration of your five-step wellness checkup. So are you, uh, are you ready, Mike? Absolutely. So uh, over to you for the narration.
1: Three decades ago, a friend of mine, W. Mitchell, was riding his 350cc motorcycle in San Francisco when he was hit by a car that ran a stop sign. His motorcycle hit the ground, the gas cap popped off, he was drenched in gasoline and was instantly engulfed in flames. He survived even though 60% of his body had third degree burns that fried his face and burned off all his fingers. After more than a dozen surgeries, Mitchell was discharged to figure out how to live with his new look and abilities. Not one to let setbacks define him, Mitchell got his new life together started a few companies and became a private pilot. After earning his instrument and commercial pilot rating, he was flying a group of friends from Grand Junction, Colorado back to San Francisco. His plane crashed shortly after takeoff. Fortunately, the full fuel tanks did not rupture and there was no fire. Everyone lived, but Mitchell fractured his thoracic spine transected his spinal cord and was paralyzed from the waist down. While in the spinal cord rehabilitation hospital, he learned how to use a wheelchair, get in and out of bed, take care of himself with his new disabilities. Since his legs no longer worked, they cut off his toes and attached them to his hands to increase his function. During his stay in the rehab facility, he met a young man who had lost the use of his legs in a rock climbing accident. The man had been an athlete, an outdoorsman. For him, losing the use of his legs resulted in severe depression and active suicidal thoughts. Mitchell wheeled his chair up next to the young man's bed and said, You know, before I lost the use of my legs, there were 10,000 things I could do. Now there are 9,000. I can either focus on the 1,000 I've lost, or I can get busy doing some of the 9,000. If I can do only 10% of what I have left, I'll have lived one of the most incredible lives ever. As the craziness of 2020 ends, I'm choosing to focus on the things I can do. Managing expectations. It seems like the beginning of 2020 was a decade ago. Friday, March 6, 2020, I arrived at Los Angeles International Airport from what turned out to be my last EMS conference of the year, or maybe ever. During the conference, we were just starting to hear about COVID-19. We'd greet lifelong friends with an elbow bump, and then more often than not go in for the hug, even though we knew we weren't supposed to. Shortly after arriving home, I learned that someone I'd had a beer with in the hotel bar overlooking Tampa Bay had been diagnosed with COVID-19. He would die a few weeks later. When we first started learning about COVID-19 in March, my wife asked, so how long do we have to stay home on quarantine? Is it 14 days? Is that right? I said, well, we should really plan to hunker down until Christmas. Then it will seem like a bonus if we get out earlier, rather than just hoping every day that it will be safe tomorrow. She didn't like hearing that, but we lived up to it as a family and figured out how to work, Zoom school, stay connected and have fun, while keeping ourselves virus-free in our little pod. As May rolled around, I'd been attending daily webinars about COVID-19, reading all of the medical literature on this confounding disease, and I said to my wife, you remember when I said we should plan on being hunkered down until Christmas? You'll notice that I did not say which Christmas. I talk with a lot of people who ask when this will all be over so we can get back to normal. When I tell them I think it's going to be five years or so before we can gather in large, close groups unmask, they recoil in horror. My friends who are musicians, run restaurants, and coordinate EMS conferences are justifiably scared that my prediction means financial ruin for their job or their business if it has not been ruined already. It may sound strange, but for me, the five-year prediction is liberating. When I accept that I'll have five more years of physical distancing, using masks and washing my hands, I can focus on what's possible given these constraints. If these exciting vaccines do what they hope they will do, are manufactured at scale, distributed effectively and administered to the vast majority of the world's population faster than my prediction, it will be a joyful surprise. For my mental health, the remote possibility of a surprise is much better than hoping things will get back to normal next month and being constantly disappointed. I accept that I can't be in the mosh pit for concerts, dine in my favorite restaurants, hang out at the playground with the parents of my son's classmates, or share long conversations with lifelong EMS friends in hotel bars at conferences. These are part of the thousand things I can no longer do for now. I'm choosing to focus on the 9,000 things I can do. For me, this includes writing and publishing a book, getting my knees replaced, learning to play the guitar badly, getting a new puppy, making our nine-year-old son breakfast every morning and reading to him to sleep every night. Five steps to improve your mental health. As you think about putting 2020 behind you and looking forward to the reality of 2021, here are a few things to contemplate. Number one, Relationship checkup. Do you have a few people that you connect with regularly? Loneliness is common and really damaging to our mental health. I've got one friend that I talk with for an hour every Friday morning at 6am. We've been doing it for 12 years, but I cherish it more during COVID-19. I've got another friend who I exchange silly animal memes with every morning and another small group that meets for a virtual happy hour every couple of weeks. If you don't have a regular connection with someone hardwired into your schedule, it's something to consider. Number two, exercise checkup. Moving your body is a key component of stress management, physical health, and mental health. If your normal health routine has been interrupted by gym closures and the inability to do team sports, can you do something else? Walking, running, hiking, biking, and tennis? are all activities with low virus transmission potential. If you have the resources, bikes, treadmills, and rowing machines connected by video to a community of exercisers are a lot of fun. Of course, there are lots of free online yoga, stretching, and other fitness classes. It really does not matter what you're doing as long as you're doing something to keep fit. Number three, creativity checkup. A mind that is learning or creating is happier and healthier than one that's just doing the same old thing day after day. While my guitar playing will cause most people to turn up the volume way up on the TV, learning songs from YouTube improves my mood and my overall outlook on life. You can paint, scrapbook, play music, learn a new language, read about World War II history, play video games, or learn to sculpt. It can be anything that provides a little challenge for your mind. Again, It does not matter what you're doing, so long as you're doing something. Number four, stress management checkup. Alcohol and marijuana sales have exploded during the pandemic. The substance-based approach to stress management is not very effective. It often causes more stress than it helps. It's a good idea to take an honest look at your potentially harmful stress management practices and make sure that you've got a solid, healthy, effective approach in your life. Exercise is a key strategy, spending time in nature, playing with pets, meditation, hot baths, listening to music can be on your, on your list. Just make sure you have something in this area that you do regularly. Compassion checkup. Compassion is taking action to reduce or relieve suffering of others. Yes, if you work in EMS, you're helping to ease and relieve suffering every day at work, and yes, that counts. But there's something powerful about offering to help and support someone when it's not your job. It does not have to be something big. Walk the dogs at your local shelter. Have a regular phone or video chat with someone who lives alone and is not going outside their house. Help a neighbor kid with their math homework over the phone. Neuroscience research shows that extending compassion to others is the anecdote to burnout and that it measurably increases your resilience. I hope that your 2021 is better than your 2020. While it would be a nice surprise to have things return to normal faster than five years, I hope you turn to your 9,000. If you do a small percentage of the things you can do, you're set up for a wonderful year.
0: As I would normally say, that's my view. I'd love to hear yours. But this week, that was Mike's view. And I'm sure we'd both love to hear your opinion of Mike's narration of his article, as I say, which appeared at ems1.com. And please leave your comments in the comment section below. Wellness, Mike, it's something that uh, you have been championing for a long, long time. But for the people that are on the front line, and I said this at the top of the show, you know, we're tired. We've been at it for 10 months now. What can you say to lift spirits right now?
1: You know, that's a great question. And my uh, my perspective um, is that um, there's there's so many different ways you can look at the same situation and, and look at a, a, a set of circumstances and, and come away feeling bad, come away feeling just so-so, or come away feeling hopeful and optimistic. And my bias and my default is that if we can look for uh, the optimism, look for the hope, and without being pollyannish and 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 lying to yourself um that there there are are plenty of of good things uh to be able to look forward to
0: in the in the coming year i'm going to stick with optimism because the opening part of your article this week talked about uh, your friend uh, uh w mitchell is that is that his last name first time i couldn't quite work out who the who's the w in the mitchell if you ask him what the w stands for he'll tell you wonderful Ah well, when in which case it's your friend, wonderful Mitchell. But again, it's one of those stories of hope and in adversity, right? And so that these terrible things are happening to, to to Mr. Mitchell. But he is recovering. He's coming back. He's finding clearly the positives, and you know that those are the stories that inspire us all. And when I was listening to that, Mike, I have to say, I don't know if you've heard the SR seventy one pilot Brian Shaw do his very famous LA speed story, where he talks about being up in up at two thousand miles an hour and all the and they're going faster than anybody else. I'm not sure if you've heard that story, but it's a sort of very famous story. Um, I,
1: I, i've not heard it yet but uh well, now I, that i will look it up
0: well i'm gonna not only put that in the show notes but also shawl and, and i'll give you a, the reason why i compare it to your friend mr mitchell is that uh, shawl is a very famous sr-71 pilot as i've just said um and not many people like him exist i think there was like 70 or, or so sr-71 pilots but before he got into that program he was in fact a fighter pilot and was shot down in flames when i say in flames he couldn't eject from his plane over vietnam the viet cong shot him down and he went down with the plane and suffered horrific burns to which point they didn't think a he would live and b he would ever fly again and after spending a year in walter reed having a lot of reconstructive surgery still being told he wouldn't fly again ended up getting his wings back ended up en- ended up finishing off as an sr-71 pilot and so the 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 speed story was just the tip of the brian shaw story and, and again i immediately read your piece and listened to what you just said and thought that's the same story it's a story of somebody being inspired, somebody wanting to, you know, survive, and of course becoming then an inspiration to others.
1: Absolutely, I uh, I have heard so many different stories, and and particularly through uh through the the COVID adventure we've we've experienced. You know, there's been a lot of a lot of stories of suffering, um, but there's been amazing stories of of perseverance, and you know, people with you know prayer and support. And you know, constant FaceTime streaming and optimism, uh, really helping people pull through uh, situations that many other people have died from. Um, so that that focus on setting your eye on a goal and uh, having the tenacity to to continue working toward it and and manifesting it, regardless of what the world throws at you, is, is something I. I admire another other people when I hear their perspectives.
0: And that's great. And, and as I say, it was a great start to the story. So as a leader, or indeed, as you and I are as just mates, how can we look after each other? How can we check up on each other? I mean, you know, you wrote it down, but let's, let's hear some of the sort of, you know, give us, give us an example in a story with some of the ways that we can check up.
1: You know it's um, it's very common for folks to say okay I've, I've listened to this podcast I'm gonna call this friend I haven't talked to for a while and call up and say yeah just call in the check and see how you're doing and having the person say'm I'm, I'm fine and and when you when you've when you've got that kind of empathetic ear you can hear that fine stands for effed up insecure needy and emotional and I'm I'm actually a mess I'm not fine and and being able to kind of uh, hear hear through that um, when that when that presents when you're uh, connecting with somebody and saying, um, okay, you're fine. Tell you know, tell me a little more about what's going on, and and just uh, being able to to nurture them into a connection. Um, I'm just um, right now reading the the book called Together, um, which was written by the uh, the former um, Surgeon General for the United States and uh, soon to be uh, Surgeon General again, from what I understand from the from the Biden administration and he uh really um talks about the impact of loneliness um in our world and and disconnection and um and that kind of issue of of polarizing that has happened with our our political situation in the United States and um i was listening to i know i'm rambling a little bit but i'll i'll connect the dots here um Don well, let, me Berwick, just,
0: let me just stop you there you are mike tagman your rambling means everything to everyone, so keep rambling, <laughs> keep rambling, sir. Keep rambling. I want to, go, uh, I want to be you yeah. when I grow up,
1: right? You're so kind. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a load of BS, but I, I will take it anyhow. So, um, I was uh, listening to the keynote speech that Don Berwick, um, who was the founding uh, president oh, of the uh, Institute for Healthcare Improvement, um, ran the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid under the Obama administration as one of the the most respected uh, thought leaders in the in the world of healthcare, and he was doing his uh, keynote speech at the Institute for Healthcare Improvement's national forum uh, this week. And um, he he basically started off by talking about um, you know the political divide in this country and uh, highlighting this uh, organization um, that uh, started with a, a group in Massachusetts uh, in the 2016 election that close to 80 percent of their community voted for Hillary Clinton. Very, very strong liberal Democratic community in Massachusetts. And, and there was a, a community in uh, the coal mining uh, areas of Kentucky that 80 percent of them voted for Donald Trump and were very strong uh, conservative Republicans. Um, so the folks from <laughs> Massachusetts basically uh, after, after the election and Donald Trump became president they reached out to the folks in Kentucky and said, you know, there's, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, kind of divide. We, we want to get to know you as people. And they invited them into a, a dialogue process. And dialogue is a, a structured way of having conversations that are not adversarial. Um, they're <coughs> designed to really develop new understandings and new ideas together. And it's a it's a fabulous and structured way of having a conversation. And over the, the course of the last three years, um, they have developed this really deep respect and affection for each other. They've visited each other's homes and communities. Um, now during COVID, they uh, continue to visit via via Zoom and, and talk about things. They haven't uh, changed their political stances um, at all necessarily on either side, but they've grown to understand and connect and respect uh, people as human beings. and that just um, provided for me a whole lot of hope uh, for all of us, and particularly anybody who's listening who might feel a little disconnected or a little bit a little bit lonely, um, that there's the, the possibility to reach out, um, be connected, uh, be part of a community, even if it's a virtual community now, and uh, uh, hopefully with the uh, the vaccines and their uh, their plans for deployment, um, that we'll we'll be able to move from virtual to live connections uh, sooner than uh, than many of us, including me, have predicted.
0: Actually, you said the word vaccine, and and for me, Mike, vaccine has been the word of the week. In fact, the last two weeks, uh, there's a lot of nervousness. There's a lot of people, uh, you know, casting an opinion about the vaccine before perhaps they've seen the science of it, but. A lot of people, I think, it's it could be it could be nerves, it could be indeed fear. Um, how can we allay that? Uh,
1: I I think that there's there's more science that needs to be revealed. So when you say the vaccine, there isn't one vaccine. There's several right. vaccines. And well, hundreds, have,
0: hundreds, according to Dr. Tedros. Right.
1: Exactly. And um, the uh, there uh, there's a handful of them that are are ready to be deployed and actually are being deployed in uh, in different parts of the world as we speak. Um, and and I, I've seen uh, recently a couple of uh, people who were part of the trials for the vaccines, um, who were um, sharing their stories of what it was like to get vaccinated, um, their description of their uh, little bits of side effects, and, and those kinds of things to try to make the experience real for folks. Um, and you know, there's the there's the small percentage of people who are persuaded by science. Um, There's a bigger percentage of people who are persuaded by uh, stories and experience. And, you know, I think that there's a strong desire to get to the next normal in our life and our world. And um, I I think if people really understand that uh, getting a a large part of our uh, global herd uh, um, vaccinated um, is, is the path. Uh, to that kind of next phase of our world, that that will allow us to to gather in groups uh, outside of our pod, to uh, not have to wear masks all the time, and to be able to share air again, um, without it, it it risking us catching a deadly v- virus
0: and disease. Right, and we want we want to get to that sort of our, our inner karma once again, because right now, I, I don't think it's there across much of the population. But of course, there techniques and things that, that, that one can do. In your in the article there you highlighted a number of things that people should be getting out and doing. What are you getting out and doing to maintain your sanity, Mike?
1: When you say maintaining sanity, that that has the presumption that I have some level of sanity to start with, which is questionable if you uh talk to the people that are close to me. Um <laughs> but I am uh, I am I am uh we we uh we adopted a new puppy uh recently who has finally got all of her shots so she can walk anywhere without risk of uh of uh, parvo which is uh uh you know the puppy equivalent of yep. coronavirus i guess um so i've been uh been uh taking the dog on beach walks and on uh on hikes in the woods and uh strolls uh down our our local streets has been uh has been uh, a wonderful uh addition to our lives um i have uh, uh, picked up the guitar again um which is uh, something I, I will never play for uh, anyone else uh, but myself because I do not, uh, uh, my, my goal in the world is to relieve suffering, not add to it. So I don't want to add to people's uh, suffering with my, uh, my guitar playing. Um, and you know, since I'm home all the time um, and not traveling for conferences or meeting customers or to uh, teach uh, uh, grad school in San Francisco or any of those things, um, I've, I've been uh, experimenting in the kitchen and, uh, and coming up with uh, new and interesting recipes um, that I uh, subject my family to uh, on a regular basis. And and all of those things are are things that keep me stimulated, they keep me optimistic, they keep my brain working and my body working and, uh, and are fun.
0: I, t- two things, first of all, I'm bitterly disappointed. Your agent said that you would play us out off today's show, so I'm gonna have to have words about that on your guitar. Uh, and, and secondly, all those things you described are things, I think, from what you just said, are that take your mind off the main worry, the main concern, the main issue right now. Would you say that's, that, that's how we need to be thinking about this?
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, it's,
1: you know, one of the things that in, the, in the book my wife and I wrote, we talk about uh, 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 structuring your worry time. Um, and that, uh, you know, some people with uh, this pandemic in particular, or the economic impact of of uh, of things as they've changed around on you and your and your family and the people you love, um, it, you you can spend 24 hours a day uh, worrying about you know the what's likely to happen, what's not going to happen, all these different kinds of things, and and that's overwhelming and it doesn't you know actually lead to anything getting better. Uh, so one of the one of the techniques that um, we talk about in neuroscience is to block off worry time. So schedule a time. Put it in your calendar. I'm going to worry uh, every morning from 7 to 7.15 in the morning. And uh, when you get to your worry time, set your timer. And when it's time to worry, just worry really hard like a banshee without uh, restraining yourself or holding yourself back at all. And then when the timer goes off, you get to quit worrying. And if during the day something comes up that causes you to worry, you can remind yourself, I don't have to worry about that right now because I have a worry time scheduled tomorrow morning and I can put it off. And that's a, you know, a way to kind of, kind of contain um, what is a, a natural mental process for most of us, and uh, keep it from overwhelming your life and your world.
0: See, I knew I was going to love this part of the conversation, Mike, I almost (laughs) feel like I need to move to the couch and recline while you keep talking here and uh, worrying like a banshee that's, uh, that's a new one but I suppose yeah if you you give yourself a sort of a five minute worry warm up then the rest of the day is, uh, is all is all well and good. I I like that I'll have to try that. Um, The reverse of worrying in the morning and, and my son was is a, is a college kid and of course when covid struck he came home for for spring break which didn't last a week it lasted five months uh and uh, he was a great roommate i have to say but every morning uh, such as is as, as, as is andy my son he went outside into the yard and meditated for five minutes because he said to me that that helps him order his day i know you're a man of meditation um, for those that haven't tried it how do you do that? How do we do, how do we get into meditation? How does it, what are the benefits of doing it? Because you talk about it in the article. I know you do it, um, you know, on a yeah. daily basis. I, uh, give, give us a 101 quickly, Mike, I,
1: you know, I've been a daily meditator since I was 14. Um, so it's, uh, it is just uh, a regular part of my life. And I have, I've tried a bunch of different flavors of meditation over the years. And the one that I've been doing for the last about two and a half years now comes from. Uh, uh, Dan Siegel who is a psychiatrist um <coughs> and uh he runs the MindSight Institute um he's a uh, uh, leads the psychiatry department at uh, the uh, uh, David Giffen School of Medicine at UCLA and um it's uh it's called the Wheel of Awareness and it it basically uh is a is a way for you to be able to kind of shift your attention um it's kind of divided into quarters and you spend the first uh, first little bit, you know, paying attention to what your eyes notice and then what your ears notice and then your smell and kind of go through the five senses. And then um, the, the second uh, quarter of the time, you're kind of doing an internal uh, body scan where you kind of go through all of the, the organs and muscles in your body and kind of uh, relax them a little bit. And then the the third quarter is, you know, where you just kind of let notice what your mind notices. um, Rather than trying to control your thoughts, just kind of notice your thoughts and where they come from and where they go. And then uh, the last quarter is all about relationships like we've talked about and connections in the world. And it's a a way of, in your meditation, um, really intentionally uh, connecting with the the folks in your uh, circle, um, however you define your circle and your family, and then expanding that out to the rest of humanity. And um, you can uh, uh, go on YouTube and search uh, the Wheel of Awareness, Uh, meditation. And the guy who created it narrates uh, a 20 minute version that you can just put that on and kind of walk through it. And of all the forms of meditation that I've been around, it's the easiest one uh, for people to learn and be able to learn quickly. Um, And I've, uh, I've actually uh, taught it at several large EMS conferences and had uh, rooms full of 500 people, um, most of which have never meditated before, Um, do the do the meditation um and and they they give me really good feedback and stuff around it
0: i'm feeling calmer already just having listened to that i have to tell you so uh i i think we should set up a zoom session where we can meditate with mike i would do it let's do it We're not let's let's do it in yes so nothing nothing to take in other than yourself Exactly. And so let's work on that. Well, you know, we'll uh, we'll suggest that to, to Kerry Hatt, the EMS1 editor. And uh, I know I, I bet you Greg Freeze would be the first person to sign up for it. He looks like uh, he would join in with great uh, with great gusto. So let's uh,
1: let's let's do that. Actually, one of your fellow podcasters recorded one of my uh, uh, meditation trainings and uh, on the medic mindset uh deal so it's it's available there but we should do one together that'd be fun
0: well you know what i know ginger listens to this so ginger if you're if you're listening let's get Tagman on for a for a joint meditation session um talking of ginger she just interviewed our good friend and we'll change tack for a second our good friend tom boothley for a project that both you and i are on the advisory board for or the, the the steering committee and that's refresh 2021. And this great idea that everybody is, again, we talked about it. Everybody's under pressure, under stress. They still have to get their CE in. And so some good people have come together to offer free CE to get people over the hump and I'm excited about it. I know that you are.
1: It is one of the coolest things that I have seen in my entire career. Um, I mean, Tom, Tom came up with the notion, and um, basically, anybody who's everybody and and uh, amazing uh, clinical educators. Uh, I, I don't think there's anybody who said no to the request to to do a presentation. And I'm 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 not active and, and current in the field, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna log on and, and and take the entire program. I don't need credentials or CE, uh, but I'm gonna do it just. Uh, to see what uh, what these folks have to say and and how they've uh, they've taught their topics, and to make it available for free worldwide is mind-boggling.
0: And that and that is worldwide at the time of recording. Because I fully expect this to change by the time we go live. We just passed five thousand registrants, of which five hundred were from around the rest of the world: the UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Saudi Arabia. The top five um, folks that have signed on. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And it's it's a who's who from Antovi, Pepe, Slovis, Chris Colwell. Other, I mean, we could be here all day naming names, but it's really cool. And uh, I'm so proud to be a part of it, as I know you are. And so Absolutely. look out for Refresh 2021. Before we go, I also want to talk about something else that, uh, that you've been working on. It's another it's a free offering. Of course, Refresh is free. Um, you've been leading conversations that matter um and i think it's again it's the coolness of tagman having a it's not a webinar and I, and I keep telling people when i tell people about this this isn't a webinar this is truly a conversation people that the audience are unmasked unmiked can contribute in addition to your guests tell me about ctm and you know what people are getting from it
1: you know we we, we decided that we wanted to kind of uh break the rules of of webinar stuff a little bit and and uh to just have it be a little bit of a, a freeform, free for all, and see what happened. Um, so basically, for each one of them, we pick a topic, and uh, we invite um, one, to two, or three um, kind of guest experts uh, to join in the conversation. And we log into a Zoom that is hosted by our uh, colleagues um, at uh, Prodigy, um, an amazing, uh, amazing partner in uh, all of this uh, endeavor. And um, we're all on the, on the Zoom screen with all the little boxes there. And we basically uh, have, a, have a conversation um, about a particular topic. The last one we did was on patient-centered care, um, where we had um, uh, Dr. Jeff Jarvis, who uh, most of you know, um, who is a, an, an extraordinary leader in our uh, industry. Uh, we had Brian LaCroix, um, who has been a, a longtime leader um, in uh, many aspects of EMS, and uh, and heads the uh, center for patient safety at this point. And uh, Dr. Bill Atkinson, uh, PhD, Dr. Bill Atkinson, um, who is uh, still a paramedic, um, but has been uh, in hospital and healthcare administration, leading some of the uh, most progressive and innovative uh, collections of hospitals in America uh, for the last couple of decades. And we uh, we explored. Uh, the topic of what does it take to design systems that are truly centered around the needs of patients? And looked at uh looked at the things in EMS, like you know, why do why does the cop face backward in an ambulance? Why do we run, run lights and siren to everything? Why did 24-hour shifts still exist? All these kinds of things that are not really uh really designed to meet the needs of patients. They're more for convenience of the organizations and whatnot. So um they're a lot of fun. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, we don't have a script or anything. So far, they've all been uh, really, really rich
0: conversations. They have. And, and as I said at the start, everybody is on mic. If you're a member of the audience and you have something to say, then, of course, you welcome them in. If people prov- are throwing references into the notes all the time, huge amounts of takeaways. And I, I think it's it's a great recipe for success. However, uh, <laughs> who's uh, who's on next month, Mike? Uh, you're up, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was a selfish plug. So
1: you uh... did really well. I'm uh, I'm excited uh, to see what you've uh, what you've put together and uh, and your guests and uh, um, I'm excited to be in your audience.
0: So I, I have to tell everybody that uh, Mike has graciously uh, going to allow me to sit in his chair. And if for the last few months you've watched Mike Tagman on Zoom, you know he sits in what I now call the throne of knowledge. It's a fantastic, a fantastic armchair. Uh, I'm going to take over conversations that matter for January. Uh, we're going to talk about ET3, Mike. And that's because, of course, come January the 1st, ET3 is off and running. And who better to talk about that than uh, Matt Zavadsky, who will then Im- be the immediate past president of an amt of course from MedStar ems in fort worth texas and also hannon cohen and hannon cohen is from empress ems in uh, new rochelle uh, new york not only have they been doing community paramedicine for a long 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 time but if the name new rochelle means anything to you they were almost ground zero of the new york state coronavirus outbreak and so a lot of experience and hopefully we'll have a lot of stories and a lot of things about et3 where it's going how it's going to affect the industry Uh, and obviously again open mic everyone can join in you can throw the references in and that's coming up uh, in the end of january and we'll put again put those in the show notes so i'm looking forward to not letting you down mike because i'm going to be the man in your chair I, I have <coughs> 100%
1: confidence that you're going to you're gonna up the quality and that I'm going to have to work harder to catch up to you
0: afterwards. It's just the accent. Don't be fooled by it. Mike, as always, how can we get hold of you? What's your contact details? Where are you at? And uh, give us all the all that kind of good stuff.
1: You know, my uh, cell phone number is 510-593-5730. I'm a, a much better texter than I am a phone answerer. Uh, my email is mtaigman at firstwatch.net. And I, I love interacting with folks on questions and, uh, and any topics you're interested in chatting about, I'm interested too.
0: Well, thank you very much, Mike Tagman. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can follow me on Twitter at UKRobL or indeed find me over on LinkedIn. Um, if you're listening to this on the SoundCloud, just hang on for another second because coming right up, I can tell you, is Chris and Kelly with another fantastic episode of Inside EMS. Uh, again, thank you, Mike Tagman. Uh, I've been Rob Lawrence and until next time, bye for now.